Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 433, Paralyzed by Possibilities. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. I'm Daryl Darnell. I broke my grandparents' lawnmower when I was a kid when I ran over a stump and seized the motor. And I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I share the story of how I severed a nerve in my left middle finger. Well, hey, hey there. Welcome to Monday, y'all. Happy Monday to you, and I hope that you had a good weekend. And to all of you mothers out there, I hope that you had a great Mother's Day. I know that Mother's Day isn't always the easiest day for all of us, and so for those of you who struggle on this day, welcome to Monday and a new day, and uh, hopefully a brighter day than yesterday was. Well, Monday is a tough day sometimes, but it doesn't have to be, and so uh, today I thought maybe I might be able to brighten up your day by uh, sharing a little fun fact with you, and who doesn't love money? Don't want to love it too much, I suppose. Well, there's been a lot of dialogue over the last few weeks since it was announced that starting in the year 2020, Harriet Tubman will replace Andrew Jackson as the portrait on the $20 bill. Well, do you know what other currencies are currently produced and in circulation and who is on each of those bills? And do you know which denominations have been removed from circulation And who was on those bills? Ready for a pop quiz? Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? All right, here are the bills that are currently being produced. In ascending order, we have the $1 bill, the 2, the 5, 10, 20, 50, and 100. So who are on each of those? Well, on the 1, you have George Washington. Of course, that's an easy one. What about the $2 bill? We don't see those very often, and there's some funny stories when people think that they're counterfeit, but they're not. They are real, and they are very cool looking. The $2 bill has Thomas Jefferson. The 5 another easy one, Abraham Lincoln. The 10 should be pretty easy, Alexander Hamilton. All right, the 20 I already gave you that, right? Andrew Jackson. All right, what about the 50 We don't see those a whole lot, but that is Ulysses S. Grant. And the 100, you probably see more of these. Benjamin Franklin. That's right. Give me some Benjamins. Now, what about those retired from circulation? Any ideas? The 500, the 1,000, the 5,000, the 10,000, and the 100,000. Now, these are still legal tender, although if a bank finds one of these, they pull it out of circulation. These were mostly used before World War II, uh, before there were more secure ways of transferring money from one bank to another, so they would use these to transfer money from bank to bank. All right, so who's on each one of those? Well, on the 500, you have William McKinley. On the 1,000, Grover Cleveland. On the 5,000, James Madison. On the 10,000, Salmon P. Chase. And on the $100,000 bill, Woodrow Wilson. So uh, there you go. There's some knowledge bombs for you to drop on your coworkers and classmates today. Maybe make Monday a better day. 
All right, well, let's make Friday a good day by having an awesome Friday forum this week. You're invited to share your stories of stuff that you've learned by calling 304-837-2278 or by going over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can typey-typey out a contribution, you can use the SpeakPipe widget to record a contribution, or you can record it yourself however way you want and upload that audio file via our handy-dandy feedback form. Once again, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Would love to have you for this Friday's Friday Forum. All right, well, here's what I learned yesterday. What do you do when you're facing a situation that paralyzes you with fear? The year was 1992. I was 16 years old, and like most 16-year-olds, I wanted a car. My parents couldn't afford to buy me a car, so if I wanted a car, I had to save the money and buy it myself. That reason was one of the factors that I considered when I chose to live with my grandparents for the summer. They lived within walking distance of several places where I could get a summer job, and that meant money. My grandma knew the manager at a grocery store nearby, and she put in a good word for me. I submitted my application, I got called in for a job interview, and within no time at all, I was hired. So that summer, I bagged groceries, carried them out to customers' cars, swept the floor, and did whatever else I was asked to do. It was a part-time job, so I didn't work a full shift every day, and I didn't even work five days a week. This meant that I still had plenty of time to hang out with my friends. Oh, wait. I was 30 miles away from my friends. So, I spent a lot of time watching TV and movies. Can you say, Star Wars Marathon? Whoop, 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 whoop. And, of course, I also did chores around the house. Well, my grandparents lived adjacent to an alley that served as part of the water draining system. This meant that their backyard was lush and green and filled with all kinds of plants. Some wanted, some unwanted. Along one corner of the side of the yard, the plants had really grown in thick and were getting out of control. My grandpa assigned me with the task of cleaning out all of the unwanted bushes weeds, saplings, and all the other plants that were cluttering up the yard. Fortunately, he had all the necessary tools, but it was a big job and couldn't be done in a single day or even a few days. I worked on the project as I could on days that I had an accommodating work schedule, and the heat of the summer wasn't too bad. I made steady progress, and the yard was shaping up nicely. It was really great to be able to do a job and see a physical transformation taking place. I mean, I love that feeling of looking back at the landscape at the end of the day and being able to measure just how much work had been done. Very satisfying. As I neared the end of the job, I had made my way from the area closest to the alley to the area closest to their driveway. Now, at some point in the past, a big bush or maybe a small tree had been planted in the area. For as long as I could remember, All that remained of the plant was a stump. This was a different stump than the one I used to kill the lawnmower. The trunk of this stump was about four inches in diameter, and it had been sawn down so that it stuck up from the ground maybe four or six inches. Using the various tools at my disposal, I began the process of removing the stump. 
I dug around the perimeter and cut all the roots that I could find. I removed the dirt that was obstructing my view, and I used a shovel as a lever to pry the stump out of the earth. Like a loose tooth that refuses to let go, the stump was stubborn and refused to release its grip on the ground. I hacked at it, removed the dirt, pried at it with the shovel, and loosened it up to the point where it seemed like it would pop loose. However, it was still clinging to the clay. I hacked at it some more. I removed even more of the soil. I pried as hard as I could, but it refused to let go. I was getting frustrated and even more determined to win this battle. I decided that my best option was to enlarge the area around the stump so that I could get a better view of the root or roots that were still connected. After a time of digging, I finally found the culprit. There was a pretty sizable root that was dug in directly straight below the stump. Getting it to break loose would prove to be a significant challenge as the other roots were forming a type of cage around it. So I needed to excavate even more. Determined to win with the victory in sight, I feverishly hacked away at the red Oklahoma clay in which it was embedded. The crumbling clay was drawn down by gravity and filled in the areas closest to the center of the stump, and I plunged my hands into the clay particles and removed them out of the way. Over and over again, I repeated this process, steadily making progress and inching closer to removing the wooden carcass from the clutches of terra firma. With one last grasp, the stump lashed out, and I felt a piercing sting in my left middle finger. A piece of metal that had once been a decorative trim around the plant was now a rusty blade hidden beneath the dirt. I quickly pulled my hands out of the dirt, and I knew I was in trouble. The cut on my finger had gone to the bone, and my hand was gushing blood like an untapped oil well. I leapt up from the ground and ran into the garage, but because my hands were covered in blood, I didn't want to open the door myself. I yelled for my grandmother to come to the door. She could tell by the sound of my voice that something was wrong. What happened next was unexpected. Instead of opening the door, she yelled to me from the other side. She said, What do you need? I said, I need you to open the door. Why do you want me to open the door? I just do. Did you hurt yourself? Yes. How bad is it? I don't know. Just open the door. Finally, my grandmother opened the door. And when she saw the amount of blood, she was shocked. But she quickly sprang into action and got me to the sink and grabbed a towel to put over my hand. She then whisked me into the car and drove me to the emergency room, and a painful anesthetic shot, and a few stitches later, I was all fixed up and resting comfortably back on the couch in front of the TV. The stump had won the battle, but fear not. Once I healed up, I returned to the battlefield, and I won the war. Here's what I learned. I was really surprised by my grandmother's reaction that day. My grandma is a strong woman who has seen some ugly stuff, so I'm not sure why she hesitated in opening the door. But as I reflect on that day and try to put myself in her position, I can identify with what might have been going through her mind. She knew that I was injured, 
She knew that I was using all sorts of tools and implements that could cause very serious injury. She knew that if I was unable to open the door myself, then the injury was probably severe. I think that her imagination and thoughts got the best of her. I think that she was on the other side of that door, imagining all of the worst-case scenarios and figuring out what she was going to do based on how badly I was maimed. I also think that my injury was probably less severe than what she thought it might have been. I mean, sure, my injury was bloody and needed immediate medical attention, but given the tools that I was using, it could have been much worse. Have you ever been facing a situation where you let your imagination get the best of you? Have you found yourself paralyzed by fear of what might happen if you open that door, take that step of faith, or take the plunge? Or have you ever found yourself in that type of situation where you finally overcame that fear and took that big step? Did it turn out that it wasn't nearly as bad as you imagined? Did you find out that those moments of succumbing to the fear and doubt actually did you more harm than good? Did you realize that those moments of delay only delayed you getting to a better place? I have. So I can totally identify with my grandma that day. I'm glad she finally opened the door and took action. I'm glad she helped me get to a better place. And I'm glad she doesn't pass out at the sight of blood. Oh, and one last lesson. Always wear gloves when removing a stump. I'm Daryl Darnell, and this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. Join the Stuff I Learned Yesterday Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Stuff I Learned Yesterday. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I would appreciate you leaving a review in iTunes by going to GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash iTunes.